Lord, we thank you for this great privilege just to be able to come and worship you tonight. We just pray, Lord, as we open up your word that you would again just reveal more of your heart to us. um, That you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. I wonder, um, <clears throat> I can't see any of you, but I'll ask the question anyway. I wonder whether you're a glass half full or half empty person. You don't have to tell us, because to be honest, we probably know. No, just kidding. I am, believe it or not, a glass half full person. I'm the type of person that... Um, tries to see the best in everyone. And um, tonight we're going to look at Martha. Now, if you were here, how many of you were here last Sunday morning? Right, I spoke about Martha Sunday morning, so I'm just going to give the same... No, no, I'm not really. When When I look at Martha and Mary and the situation that happened there, it's... It's, it's easy to kind of look at the headlines and think, do you know what, Martha, she was so consumed with everything in her life that, you know, Jesus had to say to her, look, just sort yourself out, girl. And Mary fell at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him, and there's an element where we would all just love to do that, and we should do that. But I just want to try and dig Martha out of a hole in the minds of lots of people. Um, So I just thought tonight we would look at three simple lessons. Is that Church of England speak? Three lessons? Say, Lord, forgive me. (laughs) And the thing about these lessons, when I prepare to speak, for better or worse, I kind of, um, I, try and, I try and write my notes that make sense to me. And something you have to learn about me is I'm fairly simple. Okay, I'm fairly, uh, yes, yes, this group already, this section already know. So I like to have simple truths to grab hold of. But you know what? Sometimes for us to apply simple truths in our lives consistently, it can be quite difficult. For instance, have you ever found it difficult to love your neighbour as yourself? Now the holy ones are going to go, no, I've never found that difficult. Have you ever found it difficult to turn the other cheek? Have you ever found it difficult to consider others better than ourselves? And most of the time we say, no, I don't find that difficult. But there can be times where we find simple truths difficult. And so what I want to do is I just want to present three simple truths. And I'm going to tell you now what they are. So if it gets too much for you, you can leave knowing I got the three points that he wanted to get across. Right? The first one is this. And these are all simple truths I see from Martha's life. The first one is this. Be quick to acknowledge who God is. 
The second one, tell God everything that's going on in your life. Everything. And the third one, try to stay focused on him in every circumstance. We're going to start in John 11. If you've got a Bible, which there should be a Bible there, not that you'll be able to actually see it, to read it, but um, just kind of hold the Bible because it makes you look good. Um, We're going to start in John 11. And John 11 is where we see Martha mourning the loss of her brother, Lazarus. And yet she does and says some quite remarkable things. Um, Let me grab a Bible. Because these electronic things are fine, but um, there's nothing like actually holding the word of God in your hand, is there? I was really impressed with Steve this morning and the massive Bible he had. Was that that? I don't feel worthy to hold such a Bible. So the the kind of the the section is in the the early parts of um, John 11, but I want to focus here on verse 20. Well, maybe from verse 17. So Jesus... Jesus turns up and he finds that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. And then verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in spite of her grief, Her brother was dead. In spite of the fact they were mourning, Martha does quite a remarkable thing. She runs out to meet Jesus. Then in verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we can read that and we kind of think, Yeah, Martha showed great faith in running out to Jesus, but the first thing she did is had a go at him. If you'd been here, my brother hadn't died. And I read it like that. But actually read the very next thing Martha says. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So you see, I think it's too simplistic of an interpretation to immediately think Martha's just gone out to have a go at Jesus. Now, you may think, I would never have a go at Jesus, right? I'm sure you have never, I don't know whether you can threaten Jesus, but I'm sure you've never prayed a prayer that is the least bit kind of threatening. Lord, why did you let that happen? Why did you allow that? This is God. And Martha gets it. Now, we jump down to verse 23 
and 24, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So Martha, because she understood, right, she had her theology pretty good, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So again, there was a real statement of faith there. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And the life, the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We talked about this this morning, actually. What I find so encouraging is that Martha really understood end times prophecy. She understood that he's coming back and he's the resurrection and he's the life. And she also understood and had a solid, sure assurance of a future for those who call on Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Verse 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. So he asked this classic, do you remember, do you remember when he asked the disciples, he said, who do you say I am? Yeah? It's that classic kind of Jesus question, you know, who do you say I am? Who, are, who am I? And she comes back and she says, this is who you are. I know who you are. I'm putting my faith in you. If you like, verse 27 is Martha's statement of faith. That's her testimony. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This Martha, to me, is amazing. Right? This Martha is the one who gets it. This Martha is the one who is quick to acknowledge who God is. And that's the first principle. Sometimes... In the midst of our grief, the thing we need to do quickest is to acknowledge God and to say, Lord, I, I see no way out of this. All I see is something that is about loss, but you are God and I will acknowledge you irrespective of what I see and what I'm surrounded with. You are sovereign over every and all situations, however difficult we may interpret the circumstances that we are in. So the second truth, and the second truth is the Martha that we see in Luke 10. This is the Martha that tells God everything. And you know this, Martha. Um, in fact, you know, we talked about it last week. This is the Martha who says, God, can't you see I've got so much to do? And my sister, not that any of us would ever squabble with siblings or have any issue with them, but can't you see I'm so busy? And what's she doing? And Jesus uses this kind of, um, this is the same Martha. The same Martha who came out and said, you're the son of God, you're the resurrection, you're the life, you're the one. 
Jesus, can't you see? There's an element, I, I don't know whether it's just me, but there's an element that Martha here reminds me a little bit of David in the Psalms. One of the things I love about the Psalms is that David gives God an honest appraisal of his situation. But then he acknowledges who God is. And this Martha gives God this honest appraisal. In the first reading, we see she got the balance right. I think she got the balance right. Because she had that she had that thing where she said, God, this is everything that's going on with me, but you've got this. Yeah, and you know I have this principle about whatever is going on in my life, I trust that God has got it in control. That's that Martha. This one, not so much. But I want us to notice the response of Jesus. We read, we read, Tom read earlier on from Isaiah, and there's that wonderful verse, a bruised reed he will not break. And the response of Jesus was not to dismiss Martha's struggle. It was what he tried to do is he tried to put it in perspective. And he said, understand, you are going to be surrounded by stuff all your life. You are going to have a list of things that you have to do. But the perspective is this. Same as it said in Matthew, isn't it? The perspective is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be sorted out. Does he not say, consider the birds of the air. Consider the lilies in the field. God wants us to pour out our heart to him. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your joy is, whatever you are going through, he wants you to pour that out to him. Have you ever thought that slightly odd? Because God knows our every thought. Yeah? So why does he want us to pour out to him? He desires that intimacy of relationship with each one of us, whatever we're going through. And there will be times where he needs to refocus us. There are times where he needs to refocus me, where he says, look, get this in perspective. To me, this is kind of Jesus saying, Martha, your struggle is real, but I am with you always. Bring all that you are and all that you have to the feet of the creator of the heavens and the earth. So often in, in the word of God, we see we see those that are feeling overwhelmed. We see the, the, um, them told, 
to trust in him because he is able. The peace of God is not dependent on your circumstances or my circumstances. I was talking to a friend recently and they were saying, I just wish all of this stuff could go away because then I could just relax. I said, I get that. Do you know what? And I've, I've, I've prayed that myself. But so often scripture, it doesn't all go away. And what brings God's peace is focusing on God himself, even in the midst of storms. Do we not see that? The storm is raging. Who's asleep? There's a truth there, isn't there? I love James, the half-brother of Jesus. And it's this idea, you know, James, where it says, consider it pure joy. Not just joy, not remotely positive news, but pure joy. I don't know what pure joy is, but he says, consider it pure joy when you don't have any more problems in your life. Does he say that? He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials and temptations of many kinds. <laughs> Who among us sits there going, woohoo, another thing in my life's fallen apart? Now, there were times, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not I'm, honestly, I want to put a bit of perspective in here. There were times where Jesus had to cross the lake and draw away from the crowds. Yeah, we know that. But the trap that we fall into is we think we can only know that peace when everything else disappears. Whereas actually, it's almost like the opposite. To know the peace of God in the midst of the storm is the most powerful place to know it. The truth is that mere mortals, like ourselves, can find it incredibly difficult to know these things, to know God's peace. And that's where the third principle comes in. that Martha teaches us. That the most important thing is that we stay focused on our Saviour, irrespective and in every circumstance. I have to check because it may just be a saying we have in New Zealand. Have you ever heard a saying that goes something like, You're so, see I've got to read it myself. 
Someone is so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? Yeah? Is that, is that how it goes? Or is it the other way around? It's that way, right? Someone is so heavenly minded they're, they're of no earthly good. And I kind of think we've got to be careful that in our focusing on Jesus, we don't neglect the task that is unfinished. Because the reality is that if you are saved by him, right, if you meet the Romans 10 criteria, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, right, and you are born again, why are you still here? You should be asking yourself, why am I still here? If I've done everything that I need to do for my name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, why am I still here? Because surely everything from then is like side dishes, not the main feast. So there's a reason why we're still here, and that's to carry on with the task that he's given us, individually but as a church as well. So do you know what? I want us to be heavenly minded. I want us to be focused on the call and the work that he has for us the church. I would love us, we were talking to some friends the other day and we were talking about how we would love to see churches over this country, over this world, full of people who are worshipping in spirit and in truth, who with the proclamation of the gospel, the evidences of God were seen all over the world that people were set free, that the broken were bound up, if you know what I mean, not, you know, bound. To bind up the broken is a better way to say it. To proclaim the day of the Lord's favour. Just I want to see all of those things while the church is still being salt that save us. Whilst the church is still providing labourers for the field. Because there's something in the Bible about the field being white unto harvest, but the labourers are so few. That we would be keeping oil in our lamp, that we would be making disciples. You know, all that stuff, that earthly stuff. This is Martha, to me, of the third principle about keeping her focus on God. Sometimes she gets it right. Sometimes she misses. I don't know about you, but I want to confess to you tonight, sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I miss the mark. Sometimes... I'm overly consumed with the mountain that faces me rather than the one who made the mountain. And so in my optimistic glass half full way, I think Martha is an amazing, amazing example to us of what's good and where it can go a little bit haywire. But isn't that what's so great about her? 
that she's not this venerated, perfect role model that none of us can even relate to. One of the things I really appreciate about um, um, Tom and the people that speak here is that in a spiritual sense, they don't speak from up there. They speak from down here. They're real people. And you know what? I want to walk the walk with real people. Because real people are going to be able to empathise and are going to be able to encourage and are going to be able to help and to challenge us. Jesus seems to be saying to Martha, and I think he's saying it to the church, It's not that these other things don't need to be done. It's that in doing them, you're not distracted by them. Perhaps he's saying the same to us today. Yeah, there's lots to be done. There's lots to be sorted out. But in all of it, don't forget to seek him. In fact, seek him first. Stay focused on him. And look to him in his return. So we pray. Father, we thank you that your word is full of people who sometimes were just so um, beautiful and so wonderful in their response. And other times these same people just so fell flat on their face and none of them you discarded. A bruised reed you will not break. You want to hear our hearts. You want to hear what's going on in our lives. You want us to stay focused on you. Lord, that we would be a people that would be quick to acknowledge who you are. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.
your child.